Let's talk intellectual property. Now, protecting what yours can make or break a business, so how do you protect things as essential as your name, your service, your product? Well, here to discuss some frequently asked questions regarding intellectual property law, we're speaking with Sally White. She's one of the local attorneys right here with JDSA Law. Sally, thanks for stopping by the studio. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's begin at the beginning. When we talk about intellectual property, what really are we talking about here? Well, intellectual property describes a variety of different items that can be created by businesses, entrepreneurs, musicians, authors, artists, inventors, etc. It's generally a collective term for four distinct areas of legal rights, and that includes trade secret, trademark, patent, and copyright. Intellectual property allows protection of ideas and concepts against copying by others, and it creates value in the protected ideas and concepts, which creates basically a true business asset, hence the term intellectual property. Okay, Sally, help me out. So what exactly are the differences here? So as I said, there's trademark, patent, copyright, and trade secret that all fall under the general umbrella of intellectual property, but they're all quite different areas of protection. So just briefly, um, because we could talk all day about each one of them. Right. We're doing the big picture here. Right. Uh, Trade secret. This is valuable competitive information that's kept secret, and there's a specific statute in Washington that defines exactly what a trade secret is, but some examples would be like a chemical formula, food and beverage recipes, manufacturing methods, customer lists, competitive market intelligence, computer source code. All of those are items that businesses would generally want to keep private for purposes of not allowing this critical information to get to competitors. Makes sense. Now, a trademark is different. A trademark is generally words or images indicating the source of goods or services. So, for example, this would be a logo or a business name. Branding, right? Right, exactly. And so the next uh, type is copyright. And these are rights to control copying of original works, excuse me, original works of authorship fixed in a tangible form. So, for example, this may be a song, a poem, a painting, um, things of that na- of that nature. So, to use a musical reference, the Led Zeppelin logo is a trademark. Stairway to Heaven has a copyright. Right. Exactly. Okay, I got it now. What about those symbols? Um, so, there are symbols that you can use to denote each thing. Um, TM, which you might see online or next to a business name, that means that uh, the owner of the mark is claiming rights in an unregistered trademark. The thing about that symbol is that because it's unregistered, it doesn't guarantee that the owner's mark will be protected under trademark laws. It's basically just the owner saying, look, I'm going to put the TM next to my name and I'm claiming rights in this. I own this. Exactly. But it's not anyone else saying that. It's the owner saying that. Right. So that's not necessarily going to be entitled to the same sort of legal rights as if you actually had used it in a certain way in commerce or obtained a a registration of that uh, trademark. Okay. What about the circle with the R on it? The circle with the R means that you've actually been granted registration of the trademark, and it's important that you don't use a circle with an R if you don't actually have a registration for that trademark, because uh, that can be considered fraudulent. Oh, wow. What about the C with a circle? The C with a circle denotes a federal copyright. Okay. And what about patent pending? Patent pending just means that you have filed a certain type of application for uh, federal protection of that patent. You don't actually have the patent until 
uh, federal protection is granted. Okay, once again, we're kind of taking the 30,000 foot view here, but I have to ask, so is a registered trademark, copyright, or patent actually required? And if not, I mean, why bother? Right, it depends. Um, For a trademark, for example, your trademark rights arise just from use in commerce. Um, So if you're just using a name or a logo in connection with goods and services in commerce, that means that you acquire certain rights over that name. They're considered common law rights. Um, But those rights are geographically limited to the specific area where you're actually using that mark. So in order to expand the geographical scope of your use of that mark um, and your rights over the use of that mark, you'd actually have to register it. So for instance... It, being geographical, if Bob's Auto Repair opens up in Wenatchee, Bob's Auto Repair in Savannah, Georgia can't sue Bob's Auto Repair here in Wenatchee because they're two completely different markets. Yes, with the qualifier. The internet, there's always a qualifier, <laughs> isn't there? The internet changes so much of this because you're really considering, in your example, a brick and mortar store right. in Wenatchee and a brick and mortar store in Georgia. If either of them operates a website and therefore they're selling, you know, to arguably selling to consumers all over the United States, they may be able to make a claim that even though they're not registered in that name, they have rights in that name geographically all over the United States. And we've had cases involving those sorts of disputes where someone says, well, I've been selling all over the country, even though my mark's not registered. That means that your brick and mortar store in Wenatchee right. is infringing my mark because I have evidence that I've sold online to consumers in Wenatchee. It's okay, that, complicated. That totally makes sense, though. Okay, so how about copyrights? Is a registered copyright required? Well, copyright is automatic when you create something, although it may not be enforceable until it is federally registered. And you can only register federally. You can't register a copyright with a state agency. Okay. So basically, once an original work of authorship is created, uh, which is pen to paper or brush to canvas, a copyright is born and it lives for the lifetime of the author plus 75 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So again, don't require federal registration, but if you find someone's infringing your copyright, you need to file a federal application before you can sue, right? Right. And I would recommend that you in advance, in anticipation that somebody may at some point infringe your copyright, you should get that registered as soon as possible. It pays to be proactive, certainly. Okay, let's talk about patents now. So a patent is a right guaranteed by the U.S. government to an inventor. There's no such thing as a common law patent, so it's different than trademark in that respect. And you have to file a federal application for protection. Um, There's a timeline with patents. Once you discuss the subject matter of a patent with the public, you only have one year to file the application in the United States. All right. So again, always good to be proactive on this one. Right. Exactly. You don't want to miss that one year deadline. What about trade secrets? Trade secrets, they're pretty easy. There's nothing to file and they are free to obtain. They're just a function of state law. All states have enacted the Uniform Trade Secrets Act. So as I said before, if it's secret information that is um, related to your business and that you don't want your competitors to get their hands on because it might affect um, your 
competition in the marketplace, it's a tr- it's most likely a trade secret that is protected by state law. Okay, very good. Once again, we are talking with your local attorney, Sally White, with JDSA Laws. We have our JDSA Law Talk. Let's talk names for a moment. What do I need to consider if I'm naming a product or my business? It's a really good question, and this is a question that relates to trademark law. So the first step would be to come up with a protectable name, and this is what's known as distinctiveness. Um, The more distinctive a mark is to consumers vis-a-vis the goods and services it covers, the stronger and more protectable it is. And there's a hierarchy um, of distinctiveness with four different tiers. On the weaker side are what are known as generic marks. And these are basically the same name as the goods that the mark covers. So, for example, if you sell beer and you want to just call it beer, <laughs> you can't trademark that. <laughs> and the, the reason is that um, other, other manufacturers of beer need to be able to use that term. So right. you can't claim exclusive use over it. Okay, generic, bad. What's the next tier? The next tier is what's known as a descriptive term. Now, this literally describes an essential element of the goods or services. So, for example, cold and creamy for ice cream. Generally, you can't trademark that because, again, other uh, manufacturers of ice cream need to be able to use those terms because it describes the nature of the goods that they're selling. Again, makes sense. What about the next tier? Now, now we're into the stronger uh, types of trademarks. So these are more protectable, whereas generic and distinctive are weak, not generally protectable. So on the stronger side, we've got a suggestive term, and this suggests a quality or a characteristic of the goods and services, but it does not literally describe them. So some examples are Microsoft for software for microcomputers, Coppertone for suntan oil, or Java City for coffee bar services. These tend to be protectable. And on the farthest end of the spectrum, the most protectable term are called arbitrary or fanciful. And these are terms that either do not exist in language or they have nothing to do with the goods and services that they cover. So one example would be Google for the online search engine okay, or Exxon for petroleum. Okay, so you found a great name. What else do you need to do? So... The second step is to make sure that no one else is already using that name to cover a similar business or product. And I would strongly recommend that in both of these steps, choosing the protectable name and making sure no one else is already using it, you're going to want to consult with an IP attorney who can effectively advise you about that. Okay, very good. IP being intellectual property. Let's talk about the internet. Uh, The internet makes things easier. It also makes things a lot tougher. There's some great images and quotes on the internet. We've all seen them but I know they don't belong to me. I didn't make them up. So how do you negotiate that? Right. Well, I would say with a lot of caution, it's generally going to be a bad idea to use material that's just on the internet for your own business purposes, unless you have the express authorization of the owner of that image. So you don't just want to go onto somebody's website and start saving their images and putting them on your own website. Um, For example, pictures, stories, quotes posted on the internet, Just because they're up there doesn't mean that it's free for anyone to use, even if the appropriate TM, circle R, or circle C designations aren't used. That doesn't mean it's just up there for free. It also doesn't make it okay if you just give the author credit unless you have their express permission. So you can find some free images online that you can use if you go to specific websites, if that's what you want to do. However, you should keep in mind 
that everyone else can use these free images as well, which means you're not building brand recognition by using these symbols for your business. I would recommend that if you are creating a business, you come up with your own content on your own and you consult with a designer or an artist to create a logo for you so that you're not just reappropriating someone else's work. You got it. Talking with Sally White, one of the local attorneys with JDSA Law about intellectual property. As we get ready to wrap up, anything you'd like to add, anything that I missed? I would just say that if you're in business, it's likely that you've developed or that you already own a variety of of different types of intellectual property and you probably don't even know it. It's probably a good idea to consult with an experienced intellectual property attorney um, who can work with you to better understand your business and help determine the best and most efficient means of protecting it. Um, I would recommend that you consult with an attorney early in the process. And if you're already an established business, it doesn't help to go and consult with an attorney now and figure out, you know, what do you have that you should be protecting? You can learn more over at JDSALaw.com. You can also email Sally directly over there, or you can call them at 662-3685. She is Sally White with JDSA Law. Thank you so much. Thank you.